Well, good morning again. I'm uh, so glad that you guys are here here with us. I just wanted to, this is Dan McCallum and Bethany Hicks are the co-founder of The Prophetic Company. And uh, yeah, welcome them. They did uh, Activate this weekend at York. There was, you know, 130 plus people that were in the room. And uh, he led us, they both led us in a lot of activations. And I was pushed like miles past my comfort zone. So it was such an incredible time. But uh, Dan, Danny's going to be talking, I'm sorry, Dan O is going to be talking to us this morning uh, uh, about um, just, just what he does and, and sharing some testimonies and teaching us a bit. But um, it's, it's just such a privilege to have him here. So would you just welcome him to the stage? Thank you. Thank you, guys. It's so good to be with you. And we had such a great time with the church and many, many people from the area. Uh, I think we had people coming in from like, yeah, multiple states as far away as North Carolina and uh, and Texas, of course, which is where we hail from right now. But uh, so good to be with you guys. And we've enjoyed our time with your pastor and some of your leaders. Uh, I'm going to invite Bethany to come up here in just a moment. Uh, yeah, come on up, Beth. Yes, I meant this moment. <laughs> so Bethany is uh, the co-founder of Prophetic Company. We are uh, we raising up trainers. We have a mandate to rewrite what the prophetic can look like in our generation. And uh, she is also a best-selling author. She's uh, led a mothering movement as well to redefine what spiritual mothers look like in the kingdom of God. And uh, she has a word for you guys today. And uh, so I'm going to let her release that. Awesome. How how Yin's doing? <laughs> I learned a little Pennsylvanian yesterday. Um, yeah, I just, I just wanted to share something that was, uh, it kind of dropped in my spirit yesterday. And I just wanted to release this into the house. Um, as I was walking around the halls yesterday, and I got a little bit of history about the church building from um, Pastor Adam and stuff, but just looking down the halls and seeing the different, um, the elementary, uh, I love what you guys have done here with the school, but just really seeing the school. And um, I got this sense then, I felt like the Lord was connecting this um, to the, the child prophets of the Huguenots. Are you guys familiar with that at all? They, they, were, um, they were from France, and there was a period of time where about a 1,000 children prophets from ages 9 months up to 17, um, they would be prophesying um, over this period of time. And it was very, very, it was a supernatural movement of God for that period of time. There would be moments where children would be, who did never had learned how to read, would be literally quoting whole passages of scripture word for word. There would be nine-month-old babies that would stand up in the script, in their crib, who had never said a word or had really talked yet, and they were prophesy in perfect French, something that God was doing. And so I feel like there's a connection there. And I actually researched this. The, a lot of them actually moved, um, actually the majority of them, when they fled France, they settled in the east, in the east of the United States, a lot of them in Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, this area. But I feel like the Lord was saying that there is a anointing on this house for ch raising children revivalists. 
Um, I feel like God is actually there because um, of what is going on in this generation. How many of you guys know there is an identity crisis happening in this generation? And, the, and, and it really goes back to the three things. There's, there's, there's one of the three things that God is seeking. You know, we know that God is seeking true worshipers. He's seeking the lost. But Malachi also tells us that, that God is seeking godly offspring. And he's seeking godly offspring because it goes back to the original mandate in Genesis where God said, fill the earth, increase, subdue it, and rule and take dominion over it. And I believe that what is happening today is actually going after the children. Like the enemy has always hated mankind, but his strategy and his target is the children right now. And he's, we've seen this through abortion. We've seen this through the, the identity crisis of what's happening. And I, again, I'm just sharing with you not to be a protester of the problem, but to tell you that I believe God is raising up children, revivalists right now. And you guys have an anointing for this in this house. It is not an accident that you have over 120 20 children in this church, like one fifth of this bill of this body is children because there's an anointing of fathers and mothers to raise up these children to be the world changers that God has called them to be. And even the fact that this building that was once an elementary school and has now been repurposed for the kingdom of God, I feel like there is that same kind of anointing that was in here that, that maybe was originally purposed for children, but now you are releasing children for the purposes of the kingdom of God. And so, Lord, I just thank you, Father, for the children that are rising in this house right now, Lord. And God, I just call up the mothers and the fathers in this house. This is not just about being a parent to your own children. This is about, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to raise a world changer. And Father, I pray that you would release, God, just fresh eyes in this house to see those that are rising up. I see children prophets rising up in this place. I see revival is going forth from this place. Even this Gen Free uh, that is connected here, the, that podcast, there is a, there is going to be an awakening of Gen Free in the Gen C, Gen C culture. They are no longer Gen C. They are Gen Free. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord, that there is something birthed in this place, Father, that even now is going forth that's going to touch this region, it's going to touch this city, and it's going to be known for Father God, just what what it is you are raising up. And the scripture that I had is Psalms 8, um, 2, where it says, and we all know this, but from the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your enemies to do away with the enemy and the revengeful. So God has ordained praise. God has ordained strength in the mouths of the children. You guys, get ready. Like, I, I just see children even preaching or speaking or teaching. Like, there's going to be a revelation of kingdom, heavenly principles, and things that you're going to see a wisdom in your children that's going to come forth. And as good fathers and mothers, we're going we're gonna to help accelerate that destiny in them. Do you guys, does that resonate with you guys? Is that, okay. So, obviously, I just bless you guys. This is the answer to the identity crisis, is mothers and fathers speaking the heavenly identity into the children and raising children in this generation to do the same. So thanks, guys. Amen. Woo. That's good stuff. That's exciting. Um, I, uh, I have a special connection with that word because um, I was doing a, uh, prof a prophetic parenting 
uh, conference um, in California, and I had some of the most famous prophetic speakers in in the United States, anyway, coming to share this, and nobody was registering for the conference. And I was talking about, you know, kind of raising up supernatural children and so forth, um, and nobody was coming. And we were teaching in France, and we had a day off, and uh, somebody said, hey, what do you want to do with your day off? And I'm like, well, what's around here? Now, I've studied revival all my life, so... I had known about this thing that occurred back in the late 1600s with the, it's called the Little Prophets, where these thousand children uh, just suddenly, Holy Spirit would speak through them and uh, actually rescued people, like strategies came. And uh, they said, well, we could go to the Huguenot Museum. And I'm like, what? Because uh, I, I didn't know where we were, to be honest with you, when we were in France. We were staying with some friends who had invited us in. We had a whole team with us. And um, we were just like miles away from where this happened. So I was in this place where I was feeling like, Lord, did I miss it in doing this conference? I have all this cost and these big name speakers and, um, and nobody's coming, nobody's signing up. And then um, it's about to happen, but we're teaching in France and and they're like, do you want to go to the Huguenot Museum? And, and so we go there and we stand on the place where the Holy Spirit was poured out on these thousand children. And I said, I don't care if anybody comes. <laughs> I don't care if I go broke. I'm like, I'm convinced that God wants to do something powerful among the children. And uh, standing in that place in history was just kind of a, a turning point moment for me. And uh, I've never heard Bethany share something like that before in and we've been to um, six continents and countries all over the world training thousands and thousands of people I've never heard her say um, that before so to me that is a very special powerful word that the Lord's going to do something supernatural in your children uh, and and in the movement of children here at this house I almost feel like we need to do something in response. Are you, are you feeling anything on that, Beth? Could you guys just stand up with me for a moment? Um, don't do anything you don't want to do. I'm not here to manipulate you or control you. But uh, I want to invite you in to, you know, if, if, if you have a desire and a heart to see our children, the children of this house, um, just encounter the Lord in his goodness and in his love and in his power, I think it could be a light in the darkness of the attack against our, against children in this generation right now. Then why don't you just reach out your hands to the Lord and, uh, and let's just receive that. Father, we receive that as the word of the Lord. We receive that destiny for our sons and our daughters. Lord, you did say in the last days you'd pour out your spirit on all flesh and our sons and our daughters would prophesy. And Lord, we pray that there would be a grace upon our children to walk in uh, dignity, to walk in uh, identity, Lord, to walk in their spiritual authority. And uh, we ask it for the glory of your name, but we just agree with your word and say, amen, let it be in us, as you have said in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord for that, and then we'll have a, we'll have a seat. You can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you. 
Um, I know I'm going to go a different way than I went in the first service. So you can listen to that first service recording. I talked a little bit about why we need prophecy and four reasons we need prophecy um, today. Why does God care if everybody prophesies? Why would he want everybody to prophesy? And so we talked about that uh, in the morning service. I'm going to go a little bit different way, but um, I also felt... Uh, a word upon the house, um, and even a word over the city a little bit that I want to share with you. I kind of mentioned the word over the city in the first service, but I want to go a little deeper into it um, right now. Uh, first of all, uh, we were listening, we were having dinner with Adam, and he was telling us a little, Pastor Adam was telling us a little bit about his vision and what he does with leaders and humility-based leadership. And uh, last night, as I was laying down, I heard the phrase corporate humility. And, um, and I was drawn to uh, Isaiah 58 and God's chosen fast. And he said, hey, the way that this is not a, a rebuke, by the way, this is just context, okay? But in that passage in Isaiah 58, he said, hey, the way you're trying to humble yourself is not the right way. Um, he's, uh, he said like, you know, just starving yourself in the name of the Lord is not the fast that I have chosen. And the fast that he has chosen is to break the chains of injustice, to do away with malicious talk and the pointing of the finger. And, uh, and then it goes on to describe several other things in that passage. And I felt like not only is the Lord giving you, Adam, keys for uh, humble leadership, but there is going to be a DNA of community humility. And I believe there's going to be three keys that arise out of that passage in Isaiah 58. I know one of the keys, um, but I don't, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the others are. I have some ideas, but I'm not totally sure of it. And, um, and so I'm going to just call out the key that I know, and it is related to your building and what you've done with your building. And uh, it says in verse 12 of Isaiah 58, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations, and you will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Uh, and uh, this is where... Um, it actually becomes an identity, and I feel like your, your, your building is beautifully remodeled and so tastefully remodeled, but I think there's a grace upon you as a house for restoration, yeah. and uh, I think that's both spiritual restoration, but I think there's, there are literal physical restoration, uh, a grace as well, and uh, and, and so this phrase of repairer of broken walls and restorer of streets with dwellings, I think is going to be a key to something that the Lord is going to awaken uh, in this congregation. So that's, that's just another thing I see over the city. When I think about your name as a praise community, uh, praise is really important to both Bethany and I. I, I was a worship leader for uh, about 17 years. How long were you a worship leader, Beth? About 20, 25. 20, 25 years. 
I also led a missions organization in over 70 uh, language groups around the world uh, that was based on worship, helping them find their unique sound and their unique song. Um, but your name, Praise Community, I think is related to that word that Bethany gave. I didn't know she was going to share that verse of uh, Psalm 8-2 that, um, that the, the praises of children would rebuke, you know, the, the enemy. Um, <laughs> um, and because this is kind of linked to the word as well. But, you know, praise is one of the spiritual weapons that actually breaks off the spirit of heaviness. In the book of Isaiah 61, it talks about how he would give us a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. If you look at that in the Hebrew language that it was written in, that word garment is the word mantle. And mantle is not just a cloak. It's actually a cloak with an authority attached to it. So that uh, garment of praise is actually a cloak of authority to break a spirit of heaviness off people. And I felt like another anointing that was going to be upon this house of praise community was that there is a mantle of authority to break heaviness off of people. And, um, and I, I think there's... I think this is going to continue to increase as we kind of embrace um, what the Lord is saying. I think you're going to find uh, greater ways to express it and even uh, greater miracles manifesting. So I think I'm going to tag team off of what uh, Bethany just shared uh, about children. And I'm going to speak a little bit about... Um, Raising up the supernatural in our kids and how important it is. I don't know if any of you guys have had uh, children with bad dreams or night terrors. Uh, how many have ever experienced that with your children or with your grandchildren or something like that? And you know what happens usually with that is when our kids are suffering, when our kids are going through a hard time, and when we're already tired, I mean, let's face it. When we put the kids to bed, we're just hoping they stay there. You know what I mean? You want, you want some mom and dad time and all that. And so, but when our kids are in pain, we just want it to stop. We, we don't care what it takes. We just want it to stop. You know, we want to fix that for our kids and we want to be free from the pain of it, the anxiety of it. We want them to be free of it, of course. And, um, and so a lot of times what we've done is we've kind of said, Okay, um, like, first of all, well, there's a bad guy in the room, or there's something dark in the room. No, there's nothing. There's a monster in the room. No, there's nothing there. It's just your imagination. Go back to sleep. <clears throat> or uh, I'm having bad dreams, so we pray that they don't dream anymore. And I think we've unknowingly actually been part of desensitizing our children to their spiritual gifts. Let me tell you a story that happened to me, and I know this is one of the stories that Adam heard um, when, when we kind of originally connected. And that is when I have four kids, and uh, 
the oldest is 36 and the youngest is 17. So we're a generational family. People always say, oh, was the fourth one a surprise? I said, no, the third one was a surprise. The fourth one was a shock. We cried for a month, to be honest with you. <laughs> we're like, what? <laughs> what? Then we, don't worry, we broke it all off like a month later. We're like, no, we want you. We just didn't know you were coming, you know, and we were already making our RV plans, you know, when, when she arrived. So we've had to think generationally, you know, like it's, it's great for me now though, cause I had three boys and then now I have the, the, the girl, she's a teenager and, and, and she's, she's a great date because now it's one senior and one student. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like we both get a discount. So it's pretty awesome. But my oldest son, who's 36, uh, when he was 11 years old, I was going to my room. It was about 11 o'clock on a Thursday night. And the Lord said, get up and take your son to a movie. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I didn't argue with the Lord because I like movies. But I was like, I don't even know if there was a movie on in our little town at 11 o'clock on a Thursday night. And, uh, and I, it just, it was a weird thing. So I went in and I gave Michael a, a shake and I said, and he wakes up and I'm like, hey, do you want to go to a movie? <laughs> and he looks at me like, yeah, <laughs> but does mom know? And I'm like, no, and we're not telling her. Yeah, it's just, it's just you and me, okay? And so he, he, he gets dressed, and we, we go down to the little movie theater. And, and there's only one movie playing, and it's a kung fu movie. It is. It's not kung fu panda. This is longer time ago, okay? It was uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And it's not even, look, at there's fans. People are clapping over here. That's awesome. And, and it's not even in English. It's in Chinese with English subtitles, you know? And, um, and so we're watching this movie. And while we're watching this movie, it's like these kung fu battles, they're like flying through the air and, you know, having all this crazy stuff happen. But while it's happening, God is speaking to me about how to mentor a double portion generation. He's saying, hey, you have the wisdom keys for people who are more gifted than you are. And he said, if you suppress them because they're more gifted, then the revival will not be generational. But if you understand that people that are more gifted than you that you are still a key to give them the wisdom to help them function in their full authority, then that position of humility is going to cause you to be effective uh, to raise up a double portion generation. So I'm getting wiped out in this movie. I am like having a God moment as he is downloading this strategy to me. But I'm like, okay, how do I redeem this for my son? And so we go out for a Coke after the movie and we're sitting at the table and I go, oh, Michael, I go, you know, all that flying around and all that warfare in the air. I'm like, that's all Hollywood or whatever China's version of that is. And I go, but, um, but the spirit realm, like that's a real thing. And he goes, oh, dad, I know. And he just said it weird. Like, 
what do you mean you know? And he goes, well, I see things and stuff. I'm like, what, what, what things do you see? Like, what, what the, <laughs> you see things? Why am I only hearing about that now? I go, I go, what do you see? And he goes, angels and demons and stuff. I'm like, what? You see angels and demons? So I'm testing him. I'm going, what do they look like? And he goes, it depends on what kind they are. And I said, what? And he said, well, afflicting spirits. <laughs> He's 11 years old. He said, afflicting spirits. He goes, they look like little three or four foot kind of monkeys or imps. And they have these four inch claws and they dig in from the outside. And he said, unclean spirits. They look like kind of really bedraggled homeless persons. And they, they often have like red eyes. And he said, warrior spirits are really tall and they have all these weapons. And I am like, how do you know all this? Like, I know we don't teach this in Sunday school. Like, he's going through the rank and file of angelic and demonic authority. And I'm like, how do you know all this? He knew their names. He was describing what they look like. And he goes, well, I just see things. And I ask God what they are. And he tells me. And I'm like, well, teach me. <laughs> I want to know. And suddenly I feel like a blind man, you know? And, uh, and I mean, at this time, like I'd led thousands of people to Christ all around the world, seen people healed, seen people raised from the dead. But here's this whole world that I didn't even know existed, to be honest with you. I didn't even know that that was a thing. And I had to go back to the word and see how many people were like, uh, having these kind of experiences, like the prophet um, uh, Elisha, when he is surrounded by the Aramean army, and uh, and Gehazi, his, uh, his servant, comes running in and goes, come on, man, we're surrounded. What are we going to do? And he goes, open his eyes that he might see. And all of a sudden, he looks, and there's angels of fire and chariots of fire all around him. And he said, oh man, more are those that are with us than those that are against us. He saw into that spirit realm and the prophet had the ability to open his eyes to that. And um, so I began to test it. I did a lot of healing lines in those days. And so I said, Michael, I know you don't really like to, you know, talk to people or, or you know, pray for people that much, you know. And that's okay. I'm not going to force you. But I said, would you pray for me? And so when I was doing a prayer line, he would walk behind me with his hand on my shoulder and just pray for me. And so I'd pray for this one and God would touch him. I'd pray for this one and God would touch him. I'd pray for this one and nothing's happening. I mean, just I'm praying my best prayers and, and, and nothing is happening. And so I like turn around and I ask my 11-year-old consultant, Michael, do you see anything? And he's like, uh-huh. And I'm like, what do you see? He's like, they have handcuffs on. I'm like, handcuffs? Oh, okay. Some kind of bondage, some kind of, you know, and I'm new at this at the time, so I turn, you know, I'm thinking nothing's coming. I turn around, I go, well, what should I do? And he's like, duh, Dad, break them. We're just whispering this. Nobody else knows what's going on. And I understand that, okay, what he is seeing, like, do they have handcuffs on? No, he's seeing a type in the spirit of what is happening to this person. And, uh, 
But still, he said, break them. And I'm like, well, how do I break them? You know, I'm thinking the only thing I could think of, I don't know if it was the influence of the movie or not, but the only thing I could think of was doing a prophetic act of like a karate chop between their hands. That's, that's all it came to me. I'm just being honest with you. And so I'm like, well, um, sir, like, he's not hearing any of this. I'm like, could you just hold your hands out and close your eyes? Now, I wasn't having him close his eyes to pray or to be spiritual. I just didn't want him to see what I was about to do. <laughs> so he closes his eyes. He sticks his hands out. And I, I just do a prophetic act. I'm just like, yeah. That's, that was the whole thing. That was the whole prayer was, yeah. And uh, I turn around, looked at my son. He's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I'm, sir, how, how do you feel now? And he's like, I, I'm totally healed. And I'm like, you are? <laughs> that's, that's amazing. <laughs> and so then I went to the next person, the next person, and I got to another person where it seemed like nothing was happening. So I turn around to my consultant. Michael, do you see anything? He's like, oh, yeah, Dad. They have a hood on their head, like an executioner's mask. I'm like, oh, spirit of death. Like, okay, I know what that is. Yeah. What do I do? <laughs> and he goes, duh, Dad, pull it off. <laughs> I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> so I have them close their eyes. Stick out their hands this time. Again, close their eyes because I don't want them to see. And I reach over their head. I don't see anything. I don't feel anything. I'm trusting the word of an 11-year-old consultant. And I reach over their head. I grab a hold of this thing. And I know from uh, James chapter 5 and verse 16 that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So I know that I have to do this. Uh, fervently, I have to do what is effectual with the passion of the kingdom behind it. So I reach up, I grab over this person's head like I'm grabbing a hold of a hood, and I just go, Whew. I go, how you feeling? They're totally healed. I'm like, this is weird, man. This is like, I feel like I'm cheating. I feel like I have the answers to the test. You know what I mean? I'm using phone a friend here in the prayer line. And uh, uh, that began a journey with me of recognizing that God really has poured out his spirit on our children. That, um, that a lot of times when we were saying, like when I was a child, I would see things in my room. And I would have that same thing happen where my parents who were Christians would come in and say, it's just your imagination. Go back to sleep. It's just, but what if it wasn't my imagination? I'm not saying there's monsters in the room. I'm saying there are spiritual forces that I actually was, um, was perceiving or seeing or feeling to a degree. And instead of teaching me my authority in Christ, I was taught to desensitize my spirituality so that I'm not seeing the realities that are there. And, and, and same thing with dreams. When bad dreams happen, we're praying, oh, Lord, we just pray only good dreams tonight or that they won't dream. And it's like we're shutting down the dream gate instead of teaching children their authority in Christ Jesus. 
It, and, and I'm not saying that there aren't times of imagination and there aren't times where we need to bring something into subjection or they watched a bad movie or, you know, they, they have a spirit of fear or something. I'm just saying that I, I, I think the Lord wants to do something powerful in our sons and our daughters. You know, my, my, uh, 17, uh, my 17 year old, when she was a child, we were in the mountains of California uh, doing a meeting. And she goes, Daddy, I want to see some snow. Because we lived in a part of uh, California where it, it never snowed. Um, we had 329 days of sunshine a year. I'm sorry. Somebody had to live there. And, um, and she's like, Daddy, I want to see some snow. And I'm like, well, honey, it's not the time for, for snow. And she goes, well, I want to see snow anyway. And I'm like, well, take that up with Jesus. Like, and so she began to sing a, a song in the back seat. As we're driving, she begins to sing, you know. And you know that song, Rain, Rain, Go Away, Come Again Some Other Day? She began to sing like that melody, but she's like, snow, snow, come today. Um, something like, not tomorrow, but today. I don't remember the whole song, but she's singing about snow come. We go into the meeting. We have this revival service. We come out, and there is four inches of snow on the ground in a time of year where it's not supposed to snow. And so <laughs> we build a snowman. We go sledding. We do all these things that she wants to do. But then we're like, man, how are we going to get home? Because we were in the mountains. We didn't have any chains. We didn't have, you know, the snow gear or whatever. And my wife goes, well, her song said today, not tomorrow. So we just believe the snow will be gone tomorrow and, and we'll be able to drive home. And sure enough, that's what happened. I was doing a meeting in Minnesota and there was a, a hundred mile wide storm system coming to the city. And actually the promoters of the meeting called me and they said, um, they said, Hey, we might need to cancel this meeting because there's a huge blizzard coming and it's like 100 miles wide. And I go, no problem. I'll get my daughter on it. <laughs> and she's just a child. And I go to her and I said, hey, could you sing one of those songs again? <laughs> but this time, instead of, you know, the snow coming, can you make the snow go? And, and she, you know, sang a little something. And I'm not kidding. We watched on the Weather Channel as the weather system split in two like this. Half of it went this way, half of it went this way, and it went around the city so that we could actually have that weekend of meetings. I'm just saying God wants to do something in and through our children that is above and beyond what we've thought and what we've imagined. How many already feel like your kids are ahead of you spiritually? Like that they know things you didn't even know, that things are normal to them that we never understood. See, I believe that the enemy is trying to steal away the innocence of our child's uh, supernatural connection with the Lord. And that it's our job not to make the pain go away, but to set the boundaries and to teach children their authority in Christ Jesus. I believe that our children are seeing things and they're hearing things and they're feeling things and they're perceiving things that actually are spiritual realities that need to be cultivated rather than dysfunctions that need to be medicated.
I'm not against medication, by the way. You know what I mean? When there's a, when there's a real issue going on, please don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. But I will say this. For me as a child, the primary way that I was receiving spiritual information was by feeling. I would walk into a place and I could feel what was going on in the dark kingdom. I could feel uh, wickedness. I could feel oppression. And it made me not want to be places. It made me kind of draw into myself. And I never understood that that was a gift of discerning of spirits. I never understood that I was, I was discerning what was in the world, but I wasn't discerning what was in me. And as a matter of fact, even as I began to travel and minister different places, I'd go to these different cities and I'd go, I'd pull into the city and I'd discern the darkness or the oppression or the, or the wickedness that was over a place. And then when we'd go to do the meeting, it was like, it felt limited. It didn't feel powerful. It didn't seem like we had breakthrough. And uh, the Lord said, hey, your acknowledgement is a form of agreement. When you're acknowledging the spirit that's over the place, you're coming into agreement with it, and it's limiting your effectiveness. And, um, and so what happened is, as I began to learn to use my discernment, I would come into a place, I would discern what was wrong, but I would also go, yeah, but I live in the kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And the scripture says the kingdom of God is within you. So righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost is, is my Holy Ghost safe house. It's what actually God has put inside of me. And I'm not focused on the darkness outside of me. I'm focused on the light inside of me in Christ Jesus. And when I focus on that, I can come into a a totally oppressive place. Listen, I, I have spent time in Calcutta, India, one of the darkest places on the planet, where literally they set out dead bodies for the garbage man to pick up, where they would take widows who had no children and, and, and tie them to the bodies of their dead husband and then burn them in the fire, where thousands of, of, of um, where where thousands of lepers were still in the street and you'd drive through a leper colony and they'd be banging on the windows, crying out for help with pieces of their, their hands missing and their face missing. And, 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 um, and you felt like you were in a zombie apocalypse movie, you know, as they're crying out for help. I'm just saying it's a dark place. And uh, I never could have done that as a child if I hadn't learned as an adult how to live from the place of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I realize that the darkness is not supposed to affect me. The light is supposed to affect them. But as long as I'm acknowledging the darkness rather than the light, you empower whatever kingdom you acknowledge. And so I think there's children that are sensing what is going on, that are perceiving what is going on in the atmosphere and what they need to be taught, we're not saying, oh, don't be that way. Don't feel it that way. We're teaching them, yeah, but Jesus is in your heart. And what does that feel like? What is, what is that? And, and we teach them how to live inside out rather than outside in. Because there would be situations where I'd be, and, and I think my daughter has gone through this in public high school, 
that she's picking up on what other people are thinking and other people are feeling. Why? Because honestly, we really are spiritual creatures living in a physical and a material world. And I believe there's a call upon us right now and combined with the word that, that Bethany gave, there's a call upon us right now to parent in a different way. Listen, one of the keys we truly believe is help your children know who they are in Christ Jesus. All right? Help them know who they are in Christ Jesus. We're, uh, this is not an advertisement, but we're really getting ready to release a book on this of how to uh, speak to your kids' heavenly identity through their name. And, uh, and realizing that, that what you've named them also, there's a breath of heaven upon it that God wants to speak over them to the treasure of who they are in Christ Jesus. But I also want to encourage you to try to identify the primary ways that your kids are receiving information. And some of the keys are this. In our seminar this week, we talked about how the primary ways that we receive are through seeing, through hearing, through sensing or feeling or knowing or perceiving. And so you will actually hear it in the language of your kids. They'll say, hey, I'm seeing something, or I see this, or I, um, you know, um, or I heard this, I heard this sound, or I heard this thing, or I'm feeling that this is going to happen, or I'm feeling like something bad is here, or whatever. And all of that is revealing to you what some of their primary receptors are, how they are receiving spiritual information. And what do we do? We don't want to shut that down. We want to, uh, first of all, help them put that in Christ Jesus. We want to help them know, hey, that, well, let's use that channel for the Lord. So what does that look like? If a child is seeing something dark, we say, hey, we, we have two little cues for them. One is we say, hey, look over their shoulder and see what they're hiding. Okay? Instead of focusing on the dark, we want to train that gift in the light. And many times when a demonic force is trying to intimidate your child, take them to a place of fear, um, they're actually trying to hide something good. You know, the scripture says the angels of the Lord encamp around those who fear him. And so... Um, we know that there are more angels present than there are demons present. So it's like, hey, look over the shoulder of the bad guy and see what he's trying to hide from you. And oftentimes they begin to see the treasure or they begin to see the presence of an angel, not just the presence of an enemy. Or sometimes we'll say this, show me what they really look like. And something scary will kind of shrivel into its fallen state or its fallen form. What are we doing? Instead of desensitizing a child and shutting down their gifting, we're contextualizing their gift and teaching them their authority in Christ Jesus. We're helping them to look to the light um, rather than the darkness. And I, I, I think this is a key as we're moving forward, even in the word that Bethany gave of our children rising up um, with the voice of the Lord. You know, I had to learn from my kids <laughs> about their gifts, about my daughter's gift of faith and creative, uh, creative miracles, uh, the grace that she had to shift atmospheres. I had to learn about my oldest son and his ability to see 
into the spirit realm. And then I had to go kind of study that in the Bible and see how to mentor that, how to help that, how to um, steward that, and, um, and how to teach them their authority in Christ Jesus. And uh, I, I believe that that is not only a call on this generation, but from the word that Bethany gave, I believe that's going to be important to the call that's upon this church. And guys, it's not just for those who still have uh, physical young kids or grandkids. It's also for us as spiritual mothers and fathers to just kind of help recognize um, the gifting and the grace that's upon children's lives. I believe that this generation that's coming up, I believe sometimes the, um, the size of your giant prophesies the size of your promise. I believe sometimes that the wall of resistance speaks to the treasure of the inheritance that's on the other side. I believe that sometimes the, the enemy is playing his best card right before the Lord brings a breakthrough. And I believe the attack that is upon our children right now is about one of those Kairos times where God wants to raise up a generation of young warriors like never before, and the enemy's playing his best card right before God is on the move. You know, when Jesus came on the scene, Herod kills all the children. When, when Moses comes on the scene, Pharaoh kills on the children. I believe the attack against our children, we're not just going to focus on the darkness. We're going to understand that the enemy is intimidated by something that this generation possesses. And it is time for us to be the stewards of the greatness and the glory that's in that call upon our children in Christ Jesus. Would you stand with me? Father, I just thank you that, uh, that there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon our sons and daughters. There is a grace that is upon this generation to redefine culture. And Lord God, right now, we see that there are those that are making their best play to turn it into a thing of darkness. Father, I'm praying for fathers and mothers, for uncles and aunts, for, for grandparents, and for spiritual moms and dads to rise up in this hour. And Lord God, not to partner in desensitizing this generation, but to actually partner in a spiritual awakening. Lord, to help them recognize the ways that God is speaking to them, the ways that God is moving in them. Lord, so that we can partner with their authority, that we can partner with their grace, and that, Father, we will see a generation arise that would carry a light that is even brighter than what has been in our own. Lord, we believe that your kingdom goes from glory to glory with ever-increasing glory, and we pray now that you would arm us with the knowledge of the glory of Christ Jesus and how to steward this move of God and the spirit and the supernatural that is upon our children for the building of your kingdom and the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks so much. Um, could you guys put up the, uh, the four quadrant again, just real quick? You guys should just take a seat. I'm going to dismiss you in just a second. 
Um, every time I've ever had uh, a counseling or a problem or seen somebody stuck, it's because they're he seeing, hearing, sensing, and perceiving like what the enemy's saying. And they, what the enemy has said has become so loud that they can no longer hear, see, perceive, or know what God is saying. And so like just having um, Dano come in here and share that and to do this weekend, it's the reason why prophetic culture is so important is because if we don't speak up, they're going to be hearing another voice. And that other voice gets them stuck. And, and you're seeing an entire nation that's stuck right now and not actually having the real conversation it needs to have. And so I just want to just thank them again for their words and what it is they said. Could you just thank them for coming out? There's just three signups in the lobby. Uh, lobby. In the lobby. There's the, uh, the barbecue sign-up for volunteers. There's also the family room that's coming up. Also, Bob will be in the lo lobby to help with the building if you'd like to. And there was one other thing. Was it just three? Oh, the, Dano has booked that may still be in the lobby. He might have sold out already. But bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. We thank you for watching with us. At Praise, our mission is to inspire, challenge, and transform people for generations to come. And we hope today's message can do just that. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about Praise, email us at info at If you'd like to support Praise financially, you can visit praiseyork.com give. To stay up to date with sermons, events, and changes at Praise, make sure to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel.